Well, family, I wish I could see you face to face, but I'm excited to be able to share this word with you. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about worship, and, and I have a conviction that God really wants from us uh, real, authentic worship. He desires that we would be worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth, as, as we talked about last week. And we have the privilege of worshiping the God who is, the God who is, who's for us. Two weeks ago, we talked about that, how God is the God who is. There's no other being inside or outside of creation who just is. We're all created beings. We're all becoming. We're all developing. We're all growing. But God is who he is. And not only is he who he is, he is who he is for us. That means that he's going to be faithful to us because he's been faithful to us in the past. Because he's been faithful to his people in the past. And so we worship a God who is and who is for us. This week, we're going to see that we wish worship our risen Lord. That there's something unique about the Christian faith. That we worship a God who, who isn't just a set of good ideas. We don't worship a God who, uh, who gives us some rules and then, and then rules from heaven. But we, we worship a God who came into creation who lived a perfect life that you and I should have lived, died a death that we deserved, and he rose again. And it's because he rose again that we worship him. So I'm going to be reading out of the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Again, I'm going to be reading out of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. You don't have to forgive me. I'm switching hands to get my Bible out. Read along with me. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you love us, and that you've expressed that love by sending your Son to live as one of us, and that not only did he live, but he died and he rose again. And because of your resurrection power in his life, we worship a Lord who has overcome our greatest enemy, death. God, I pray that you would stir up our, our worship, our desire to honor and value God, value you, value your son, Jesus Christ, above all else, because you've overcome our greatest enemy, death. Because you are our risen Savior. Be with us now as we spend some time in your word. Amen. 
So I'm going to talk about three things, and really this is just the three parts of the story. We're going to talk about how they began with an ending. These, these women began with an ending. And then we're going to talk about how that ending was interrupted by the resurrection. And then finally, we're going to talk about a worship-filled new beginning. They began with an ending. They were interrupted by the resurrection. And they ended with a worship-filled new beginning. So look at verse 1 with me. It, it, it talks about the woman, the women who were going to the tomb. And it says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. These two women, and, and if you were to look at some of the other accounts in the other Gospels, there were actually several women who went to the, to the tomb where Jesus had been laid. They knew where it was. They knew that, that Jesus had been buried, well, put there in order for him to, to stay there. And so they were going the day after the Sabbath. They couldn't go on the day of the Sabbath because they couldn't do work. But on the day after the Sabbath, they were going to bring spices and they were actually going to embalm him. They were going to the tomb thinking that Jesus Christ had died, that he was dead, that he was staying dead, that this was the end for Jesus. They saw this as the heartbreaking end of the life and ministry of this man. They had been following him likely for, for three years, uh, maybe more, and they knew about him. They had seen his miracles. They had, they'd heard his teachings. They'd been encouraged and, and challenged and, and in awe of him and his wisdom. And yet here he was in the tomb, dead. They, they had seen that he had been crucified, this horrible, shameful death. This was a death of, of criminals. This was not just a normal uh, way of dying, but this was, this was putting Jesus in, in the same places as thieves and, and murderers. And, and they saw their Savior, their Lord, the one that they had followed, the, their teacher, their rabbi, they saw him crucified and put to shame. And so they were, they were returning to the tomb to, to pay the kind of their last respects, to embalm him further, and, and to maybe even say goodbye. But their sad ending was interrupted by God. And I love this story because it, it encourages me that, that God has a plan to, to interrupt our sad story. You know, we, we face a lot of challenges and maybe you're facing challenges right now where you're experiencing pressure, you're experiencing pain, maybe you're experiencing suffering. But what we're going to see in this story is that when God interrupts our story, when he interrupts our sad ending, we, we may still experience challenges, we may still experience heartache, we may still experience pain, but ultimately he's got a better ending for us in, in store. So read along with me, verse 2. And behold, there was an earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was at like lightning, and his clothes, clothing were white as snow. So this crazy thing happens this angel descends, and, and there's, there's loud noise, there's bright light, and, and it's spectacular. And it's so spectacular, in fact, that, that the guards faint in fear. It says in verse 4, And for fear of him, for fear of the angel, the guards trembled and became like dead men. I mean, they freaked out. And so they passed out. <laughs> and so the women, they approach, and, and the angel, in his interruption, he doesn't want them to freak out, and he says, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. This is good news. He's about to herald some good news. 
His entrance knocks out the guards, as we saw in verses 2 through 4, and he goes and he reassures the women that Jesus is not in the tomb. He is risen. He goes on to say in verses uh, 6 and 7, He is not here. Or sorry, I'll start in verse 5. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Jesus is not in the tomb. You see, the, the angel didn't open the tomb to allow Jesus to come out. He had already come out. The, Jesus, uh, sorry, the, the angel had opened the tomb in order that the women might be able to go in and see that he had risen. He says, come see the place where he lay. And this is in verse 6. And then he says, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So he says this, and, and we can almost imagine the, the ladies listening to him, and, and they're, they're walking toward the tomb, and, and they're peering into the tomb. And, and right as he says, see, I have told you, they've walked into the tomb and see that the tomb is empty. God interrupts their sad ending with resurrection power. Now, this, this is the, the pattern that we see in Scripture of, of God's work. He takes us to an end, and right when we think that we've reached the end, he interrupts the end with his resurrection power. I mean, if we were to go back and think about the Israelites and the Red Sea, they are brought out of they're brought out of slavery and they come up against the, the Red Sea and they're almost kind of put in a corner, and then they see that the the Egyptians are coming to bring the Israelites back into slavery. They've brought their chariots, they've brought their, their soldiers, and they're going to come and bring the, the Israelites back. And it's at that, what looks like an ending, that God comes with what we, would, we could say, uh, kind of looking forward as resurrection power. He parts the Red Sea and they cross. And here we see the same thing at work, where God comes and he interrupts their bad ending with resurrection life. He interrupts it with resurrection. And so I want to take a, a quick moment and I want to hone in on what we see their response is. So I want you to listen with me as we look at verses 8 and 9 specifically, because I think that the way they respond can inform our worship. If you look at verse 8, it says this, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples, so three things happen. They depart with fear. And this is not the kind of spooky fear that, that people watch horror movies for. This is the kind of fear that, that you experience when you are in the presence of power, when, when you're in the presence of greatness. Maybe when you look over a cavernous uh, cliff, you, maybe you've been to the, the Grand Canyon, or, or you go to the Sears Tower and you look up and you see how high that really is. There, there's something about greatness that creates a kind of awe or, or fear in us. And what they had just experienced was, was greatness, God's greatness, God's, God's power at work in their life. And they were filled with this, this unique God-centered fear. But not only that, he goes on and it says, with fear and with great joy. You see, they had been mourning. They had lost their king. They had lost their Lord. They had lost their, their teacher, they had lost the one in whom they had put all of their, their hope and their trust. And so they felt like they had lost everything. But here they were finding out that they have not lost. And in fact, he has overcome even death. 
And so they're filled with joy. They're filled with happiness. And this is not, this is not your run-of-the-mill happiness. This is not, uh, I got to eat a, a candy bar happiness. This is not, I got a bump in my salary happiness. This is not a, you know, I got a, a good parking spot happiness. It wasn't, it wasn't based on their present circumstance. It wasn't based on their, their bank statement. It wasn't based on their relationship status. It wasn't based on their health. This was a joy that was founded on the resurrection life and power of Jesus Christ. You see, joy is distinct from temporal happiness. The happiness that's based on circumstances, it comes and it goes. Because there are circumstances, they come and they go. But God offers a deep, abiding, eternal joy that we can experience because we know that our Savior lives, that Jesus lives. And so they're filled with great joy, it says. And what do they do? And they ran to tell his disciples. They obey. When we encounter the power of the resurrection, it demands obedience. And maybe you struggle. Maybe this is an area where, where you have a hard time. There are things that, that you know that you're supposed to obey in, but, but you don't want to. Or maybe you, 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 you stumble. Maybe part of the reason that you stumble is that you haven't considered the, the power and the weight and, and the amazing reality that God raised his son from the dead for your sake. That he saw your sin and he punished it in Jesus Christ, in, in the death of Jesus Christ, but then he overcame it in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we really grasp onto the fact that our Lord is risen, when we can say that he is our Lord and he is risen, all of a sudden obedience begins to come more easily. They obeyed. And then in verse 9, this amazing thing happens. It says, And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. So not only did they, uh, not only did they go forward with, with this awe, this amazing, powerful awe in their, their hearts, not only did they go forward with great joy, not only did they go forward with, with obedience, but they worshipped when they encountered the risen Christ, they worshipped. Their, their response was to worship. And I want us to focus in on the, the language that, that Matthew uses. It says that um, they took hold of his feet. You know, that's an expression of homage. Give, paying homage to a master. It's paying homage to a king. They weren't just giving him the honor of a good teacher. They weren't just treating him like a wise counselor. No, they were saying, you are our Lord. You are our risen king. We are paying homage to you. We are giving you the, the respect and honor due to a ruler. And then they worship him. And, and you don't worship a created being. You don't worship something in creation. These were uh, God-fearing Jewish women. They didn't worship uh, anyone but God. And yet here they are worshiping Jesus Christ which clearly shows us that they believe that Jesus was God. Because Jesus is God. And so they worshipped him. They didn't give their respect, as I said, as a peer. They didn't give him honor as a powerful leader. They worshipped him as God. And as we, as we begin to close on this story, as we think about worship in, in your life and in my life, 
I want you to think about what your response is to the fact that Jesus is risen. What, what would your response be in this situation? Because the facts remain. You know, we believe that, that this, this story that, that Matthew gives us isn't, it's not made up, it's not fictitious, it's factual, it's real, it happened. And so Jesus did rise from the dead. And so the question is, how do we respond? How do, how do I respond when I think about the fact that, that God sent his son to live a perfectly holy life and then he dies this horrible death really on my behalf for my sake because of my sin? And then he rises from the dead and commands that I, I share this good news. What is, what is our response? Have you considered the fact that Jesus is more than just a character in a story? Does he, does he stand far off as a character that you, well, that's a good story and, and maybe I'll incorporate some of the teachings of Jesus Christ in my life, but, but I, I don't know about him as, as my Lord. I don't know about him as risen. How do you relate to him? He's a man who lived about 2,000 years ago, um, who claimed to be the Son of God and who was executed and then rose from the dead. He's a real person, and these are real facts about who he is. And the next question I would ask is, is have you found yourself struggling to worship God? You know, I, over the last three weeks, we've been focusing on what it looks like for us to honor God for who he is, to, to give him the honor that's due to him. Not just in the words that we sing or, or the, the songs that we sing at church, but in our actions, in our orientation in life. When we think about our lives, do we think of ourselves as, as the center of it, or do we think of God as the center of it? When we think about our, our, our destiny, our purpose, do we think of ourselves as the ultimate uh, determining factor in that, or do we ask ourselves, what does God want me to do? What is God's purpose for my life? What is God's plan for my life? Who are we devoting ourselves to? Because I think that that what this story is showing us is that when we get a picture of Jesus as our risen Lord, then, then worship just rises up naturally. When we get a, a revelation, when we can appreciate the fact that, that Jesus, oh man, he really did die. He really did rise again. And he did so for me. Then all of a sudden it's easy to say, God, you are worthy. God, you are holy. God, I worship you. God, I give you my life. But if you struggle to say those words, if you struggle to, to experience those emotions, perhaps it's not just uh, the melody of the song or, or the style of worship or, or something else. Maybe it's because you haven't res wrestled with the reality of the resurrection. Maybe, maybe you don't think of Jesus as dead, but you think of him as, as far off and, and basically as inconsequential to your own life. You see, the resurrection was God saying, I am... I am coming into this reality and I'm not leaving it. Now he had never never been absent from our reality and that's that's he's always been here but but he was coming in his son in a new way, in a unique way. The, the, this incarnation, he was entering into humanity and taking on humanity and in the resurrection he takes it on in such a way that he, he's eternally human. Now, he's also God, but he's eternally human, and he's entering into your reality and my reality. He's not far away. He's right here with us because he is human, and he is a risen Lord. 
And if we will tap into that, if we will think about that, if we will recognize the fact that you and I, we do have a Lord. You and I, we have a Savior who calls us to, to faith in Him and to obedience. When we, when we begin to meditate on this, when we, we, when we begin to think about this, worship will rise up because we realize my God loves me and He has overcome my greatest enemy, death, through His Son, Jesus Christ. He is alive. And if, he, if he's alive, he deserves your devotion, your honor, and your worship. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to appreciate the resurrection. God, I pray that you would help us to see your worth, your worthiness. Lord, we recognize that you're the God who is and you're the God who's for us, but you've shown us so much more in your son, Jesus Christ that you overcome sin, you overcome death, you overcome all of these things by the power of your word. And God, I pray that, that you would help us to see and appreciate it more and more clearly every day. Well, family, it's good to be with you again. I, I hope that you are staying warm. I hope that you're feeling encouraged. And I hope that, that you can connect with your risen Lord today, that you would spend some time in prayer Maybe read through that section in Matthew 28 that you would think about these things and then in so doing, you would be encouraged to worship, to devote more of your life to God and that you would experience the same kind of great awe and joy that these women felt. Now, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forward and forevermore. Love you, family.